Today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Alcantad. He stops for Zacchaeus. He's ministering to all of the good people that have come out to hear him. And this one guy up in a tree like a psychopath is up. And Jesus says, you're the guy I'm going to eat with today. Or he's going to help somebody and he feels some power go out of him. And there's a woman that had touched him. And he turns around to find out who she is and to minister to her, right? Jesus does this all the time. I'm sure it drove the disciples crazy. Like, listen, we have crowds we have to be in front of Jesus. And Jesus is stopping for one more and one more and one more. like to make things as efficient as possible. The number of people we can reach with the least effort is a common fixation for many churches. That's not wrong, we are called to spread the gospel to the ends of the earth after all. But as Pastor Ricky points out in today's message, Jesus didn't seem to be concerned with efficiency. Instead of prioritizing big crowds or the rich and powerful, he would take the time to stop and interact with individuals, especially those that society had overlooked. Well, let's join Pastor Ricky in the book of Acts chapter 3 as he begins his message, Jesus at Work in a Miracle. I'm excited to say this. Please turn in your Bibles to the book of Acts chapter 3. This series is called What Jesus Did Next because Acts 1.1 begins with Luke telling us, Luke the author telling us, in the first book, meaning in the gospel of Luke, I told you about all that Jesus began to do and to teach with the implication that in the book of Acts, Jesus is gonna continue to do things. He's gonna continue to teach things. Now, the only problem is that if you read uh, the first page of Acts, just verses six through eight, Jesus ascends, he's gone, that's it. He appears in person maybe one other time in the book. So how is Jesus continuing to do things and teach things? Well, through his commissioned spirit-empowered church. So Jesus was the, the very son of God, God in human form, walking, doing miracles, teaching, but yet we see many of the same things through the church in the book of Acts. And so that's why we call the series What Jesus Did Next. In a sense, the book of Acts is what Jesus did next, but in another sense, we are, the church today is what Jesus is continuing to do and to teach. Now, we're gonna look at Acts 3, which happens to be a little bit of a model or a paradigm for how ministry is gonna go throughout the book of Acts. Um, We're gonna see something is done and something is taught, which actually we're gonna see something taught next week. So this first part of Acts, we're gonna see something done and something taught, which lines up, I kind of feel like Luke is just cluing us in. It lines up with what Jesus continued to do and continued to teach. So we're gonna see what Jesus continued to do today. So the main idea is simple, that Jesus is at work through our work in both word and deed. If we're faithful to the call of Jesus, Jesus is at work through our work in both word and deeds. We're gonna cover the the deeds today. So we're gonna be reading Acts 3, And I'm going to read this text even before we jump in. Acts chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. This is God's word. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. 
And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. One of the funny things about this story is if you've read the first volume of Luke's history, which is the Gospel of Luke, this miracle is surprisingly similar to another miracle in Luke chapter 5. In Luke chapter 5, there is a man who is lame, who's been lame for a long, long time, and he has friends, and his friends come bring him to a place where they think that he can be helped, and so they bring him there, and he finds unexpected and surprising help through the power of Jesus. This is the story, if you remember from kids' ministry, grew up with the felt boards or one is whatever, it's the part where they rip the roof off, and then they, they lower the guy down, which... I don't know, I would recommend necessarily. And so they lower this guy down and then Jesus heals him and forgives his sins. Well, if you've read that part of Luke, then you'll know a few chapters later when John the Baptist asks Jesus essentially, are you really the one we've been waiting for? Jesus doesn't directly answer him. He says, listen, the lame are walking, the blind are seeing, all of these signs of the Old Testament are being fulfilled. What do you think, essentially? And so it's a confirmation. Now, this is, Jesus is the Messiah. He's doing things that no one else can do. These are foretold uh, long ago about the Messiah. So what we're meant to see is that this kind of pattern of Jesus' ministry is continuing in Acts chapter three. So just as clearly as Jesus acted to heal the paralytic man who was, who was uh, kind of lowered down through the ceiling, Jesus is acting to heal this man but through the Apostle Peter, essentially through the church. Now, one note just about this before we get into it that can be distracting is you think, okay, well, how did Peter know that he could do this? I mean, is, was Peter just going, just trying to see what he could command? You know, he wakes up in the morning and he's like, coffee, I command you to brew. And you know, like it didn't happen. And so he's just going around trying to command stuff. And okay, if we, hey, this one worked. John, look, this one worked. No, I don't, I don't think so. What we see in verse 16, as we'll see next week, is Peter says that this miracle happened through faith in Jesus. The implication is that, that Jesus also gave Peter the faith for calling this miracle out, essentially, for calling this audible before it happened. Jesus gave Peter the faith, and then Jesus gave the power to actually complete the miracle. So, it's not as though this is like a story about how amazing Peter is. It's a story about how amazing Jesus is. So three things that I want to highlight this morning that have implications for our lives. 
first, Jesus was at work in healing. First, in that the work happened when Peter saw the way Jesus saw. You see, in in verse three, that seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John. Now, here's a remarkable thing about Peter and John. They they have just become the leaders of 3,000 people. Acts 2.41 says that after Peter's speech at Pentecost, about 3,000 people were added to the church. Now, what we don't know is whether these are like actually 3,000 total people or just 3,000 men. Sometimes it was, that's the way that they counted back in the day. And so we don't know if there's three or maybe four or five or six. And we know that according to verse 31, I mean, 247, the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So Peter and John have their hands full is the point. They have 3,000 people they started out caring for. Every day, new people are coming to follow Jesus. They're trying to baptize people, counsel people. As we see later, they're trying to help with the needs among the church. They are burdened as they walk in to this temple. In addition to that, this man, from what we know about the temple in the ancient world, this is not the only needy man at the temple. There's people everywhere. If you've ever driven from El Paso to Juarez and then Juarez back to El Paso, you see kind of all those people on the bridge selling stuff, some people asking for money, some people trying to wash your car forcibly and then get a tip and, you know, and all that, all that is happening. And so it's, it's almost unremarkable. It's almost, after a while, as you're going back and forth over the bridge, you, you, you don't really even see those folks anymore. You're just, okay, this is my normal routine. And so Peter and John, they're used to seeing this guy. Apparently this guy, they've seen him before. He's 40 years old. He's probably been begging at this spot for over 20 years. And they have a church full of needy people and they're burdened. They're going to pray and do something spiritual. And yet when this man asks for help, they stop and they see him. Listen, in this, I think we're also meant to see the example of Jesus being followed by Peter and John. In in his ministry, often, Jesus, who's ministering to thousands of people, would stop for one person, right? We have the story of where he stops for Zacchaeus. He's ministering to all of the good people that have come out to hear him. And this one guy up in a tree, like a psychopath, is up, and Jesus says, you're the guy I'm gonna eat with today. Or he's going to help somebody, and he feels some power go out of him, and there's a woman that had touched him, and he turns around to find out who she is and to minister to her, right? Jesus does this all the time. I'm sure it drove the disciples crazy. Like, listen, we have crowds we have to be in front of Jesus, and Jesus is stopping for one more and one more and one more. And in this way, Peter sees the way Jesus sees. See, can you see the Spirit beginning to shape Peter to look more and more like Jesus? Isn't like, oh, isn't Peter great? It's his Jesus And the work of the Spirit is changing him to see the way that Jesus sees. Look, friends, in our own lives, we are often so used to seeing through people, seeing past people. Listen, we we all have cares. We all have burdens, right? We all have a thousand thoughts as we're going into this place or that place. We're burdened by cares. We all have routine. We And part of what happens is we stop seeing people and we start seeing kind of through them or past them. And yet this whole miraculous event that actually results in thousands of people being saved is done because Peter and John stop and see the way that Jesus would have them see. That's the first thing we notice. Second thing we notice is 
that this work happened because of Jesus' power and authority. This work happened because of Jesus' power and authority. Now notice how Peter commands this man, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now, Notice that. That would have been very controversial, very strange, very notable, because he doesn't say explicitly, in the name of God, rise up and walk. Now, he is, but for the Jewish people around him, he's like, well, what is this name? And they knew Jesus, right? They all knew the events of the last few months in Jerusalem. And yet, Peter says, it is in this name, by that power and authority, this miracle is going to be done. Now, in the ancient world, um, names are different than our names today. Like when we say, we rarely go in the name of somebody to do something. But in the ancient world, it was very important. If somebody's entering Jerusalem and and a representative from King Herod came down and said, stop in the name of Herod, they would have to stop. Now, is Herod there? No, Herod's not there. But it's by his power and authority that that thing is commanded or done. Now, Herod, though, can get overruled by the Roman governor. It's like, okay, Herod, we let you pretend to be a king. That's great. But listen, in the name of the Roman governor, you're going to surrender this to us. But even the Roman governor bows down if an emissary from Caesar happens to be there and says, in the name of Caesar, release that to Caesar, right? And so there's these levels of like, does this name have power? Does that name have power? So what Peter is saying here is this name is above all names, and by the name of Jesus... Even creation itself can be commanded. And one of the the points of of this story, I think, is to give the church an unshakable, unbreakable confidence that as they go forward, they go forward in the power of Jesus. The disciples would have remembered Jesus saying in Matthew 28, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. But they would wonder, well, we, we don't see Jesus anymore. Now, but remember what Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples, and I will be with you always, even at the end of the age. So this story is there to encourage the church, to encourage the believers then, and to encourage our hearts that Jesus is with his church. This kind of miracle doesn't happen apart from the power and authority of Jesus himself. There's this this quote that I love from uh, Pastor John Piper in a sermon about the authority of of Jesus and the authority that goes with us when we go in Jesus' name. And John Piper, this is an extended quote, so buckle up. He puts in quotes, all authority, meaning all authority has been given to Jesus. In the name of Jesus is all authority. John Piper writes, he has authority over Satan and all demons over all angels, good and evil, over the natural universe, natural objects and laws and forces, stars, galaxies, planets, meteorites, authority over all weather systems, winds, rains, lightning, thunder, hurricanes, tornadoes, monsoons, typhoons, cyclones, authority over all their effects, tidal waves, floods, fires, authority over all molecular and atomic reality, atoms, electrons, protons, and neutrons, undiscovered subatomic particles, quantum physics, genetic structures, DNA, chromosomes, 
authority over all plants and animals, great and small, whales and redwoods and giant squid and giant oaks and all fish and all beasts and all invisible animal and plants, bacteria, viruses, parasites, germs, authority over all the parts and functions of the human body, every beat of the heart, every breath of the diaphragm, every electrical jump across a million synapses in our brains, authority over all nations and governments, Congresses and legislatures and presidents and kings and premiers and courts. Authority over all armies and weapons and bombs and terrorists. Authority over all industry and business and finance and currency. Authority over all entertainment and amusement and media. Over all education and research and science and discovery. Over all crime and violence. Over all families and neighborhoods. And over the church and over every soul and every moment of every life that has been or ever will be lived. And he finishes this way. Jesus Christ has all authority and he is with you. Right, so we see this. Amen. We see this, that Peter looks at this man's situation. As we see, God gives him this gift of faith, and he looks at it, and he thinks, that is nothing. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the healer, the mender, the king over all, the demon breaker, the sin destroyer, the resurrected and risen son of God, get up and walk right? Like when, when you feel the power of that name, you're, you're suddenly with Peter. Because when I look at it and I think, how does Peter possibly have like the fortitude to be like, I'm okay, we're stepping out in faith here. Like we're going to do this. But he's not afraid. <laughs> he knows who holds this man's life. Every molecule of the universe, every king is under his reign and rule. Jesus is the king and he commands in the name of the king get up, right? And through him, listen, it's not just Peter commanding, it is through Peter that Jesus commands, right? Those, those synapses in his brain, those muscles, those bones, they know who to obey. They're Im- and I love the word, they're immediately his feet and ankles became strong, right? You, have you ever seen somebody who through years and years hasn't been able to, to walk their, their feet and their muscles atrophy, Right? Even if they're suddenly healed and the issue is taken away, they can't stand up. I mean, this is, this is months of therapy, years of therapy possibly. And in this moment, those things in a moment immediately are changed because it is done in the name of Jesus. Now, here, here's the point I want us to get here. The point is that when Peter looks and sees this need, he does not look through the lens of his own resources, but through the lens of Jesus' resources. I love that he says, I have no silver and gold. He, like, he's looking at his bank account and he's seeing this man's need. And the man, look, the man is asking for money, right? He's asking, let me just live another day. Let me have bread for another day. And Peter's looking at his bank account and he's like, you know, I, listen, I stopped being a fisherman. I sold the small business like three years ago, okay? I don't even know how I'm surviving. I don't have any money for you, bro. But... He like checks his resource pile, nothing. He checks Jesus' resource pile, 
He's like, I have this. <laughs> I have the power of Jesus Christ, the resurrected and risen Son of God. Listen, in a similar way, often when we, when we actually look out and see the needs of our world, it can be overwhelming. I don't know about you, but I feel overwhelmed when I think, okay, man, homelessness as an issue, and there's so many causes, so many issues. like, how do we even tackle that? Or, or, you know, take one medical disease that's destroying people's lives. Like, how do we, how do we even have any, any chance at helping that at all? And yet, yet, what we're called to do is to go person by person in each situation where there is need, see the sufficiency of Christ to meet that need. There's this story that H.B. Charles, a preacher, tells about a father and his son. And the son, the father's trying to teach his son a lesson. And so the, the, they're driving and there's a big kind of log over the road. And so the, he tells the son, get out and I want you to, with all your strength, I want you to move that log out of the way. And so the, the, the boy gets out and he pushes and he pushes and he pushes and he can't do it. He comes back to the dad and he says, dad, I can't do it. And the dad says, well, son, did you use all of your strength? And the son says, dad, I used all of my strength. I can't do it. And the father smiles and looks at the boy and says, no, son, you didn't use all your strength. You didn't ask me, right? He's teaching his son that his strength isn't just the limits of his strength. His son's strength is his father's strength. In a similar way, when we look and we think, man, I don't have the ability or, or you know, I, don't, I can't make even a dent in this situation. This person's marriage is so troubled and broken, I have nothing for that. Or this person's physical needs are so great, I have nothing for that. And yet, this story invites us to look and see what we do have, which is the power of the risen and resurrected king of all. And that changes the way that you see the needs in front of you. Now, it would be wrong here if we did not note that Jesus' power and authority are nowhere more displayed and powerful than in Jesus' work of saving sinners. Remember that all Jesus' miracles were there to point to his power and authority, and he demonstrates power over external things to demonstrate his power over our deepest needs. So, Scripturally speaking, the reason there is lameness in the world, there is blindness in the world, there is demonic oppression in the world is because of sin. When sin entered the world, all of this brokenness enters with sin. So we both suffer because of the sinful world in which we live and we contribute to it with our own sin, right? We, we turn away from God and we accumulate a great debt and weight of sin and we are cut off from God's kingdom and God's presence. And that should be, listen, apart from Jesus, apart from God's intervening grace, sin and its consequences and its punishments should be all we ever experience. And yet when Jesus comes, we see the effects and weight and destruction of sin getting pushed back here and there and here and there. tuning in today to Better News Radio. Pastor Ricky has been sharing the next part of Jesus's ministry, the formation and expansion of the church that became what you know today. The early church faced many challenges and even found themselves in life and death situations. 
They never stopped sharing the gospel, though, and their continued struggle wasn't wasted. Jesus did amazing things through these faithful men and women. Jesus never stops ministering, and now he's ministering through you. We're so glad that you tuned in today for Better News Radio. If you'd like to listen to this message again, you can find it at betternewsradio.com. You'll find a library of our past teachings from Pastor Ricky and even be able to subscribe to our podcast. We'd like to invite you to take a few minutes and watch Pastor Ricky's welcome video as well. This video takes a look at the world in the light of truth and explains why the gospel message is such great news. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to let you know that we're praying for you with each new edition of Better News Radio. If you ever have a specific request you'd like us to take before the Lord, feel free to give us a call. Our number is 915-562-7100. That number again is 915-562-7100. We're honored to be able to bless our listeners in this way. Join us next time to continue digging into what Jesus did next with Pastor Ricky, right here on Better News Radio. Open God, oh my soul.